Hey yo, and welcome back to the Not Just the Jersey podcast. I'm your host, Will Oberndorfer, and at Not Just the Jersey, the mission is simple. Instead of highlighting touchdowns, goals scored, or buckets, we highlight community work, giving back, and character. And today, we have nine-year NFL veteran Joe Wrights on the podcast, and I'm so excited for you guys to listen to his story and really feel his character come through. But one thing I want to do at the beginning of this podcast is say some thank yous. First of all, I'd like to thank my parents for their support. They got me my first mic and got me set up uh, for this podcast. I'd like to thank my roommate for being quiet when I'm hosting a guest so that no noise comes in through the mics. I'd like to thank Jack Cromar and Pete Smith for connecting me to the athletes. And of course, I'd like to thank God for the innumerable ways that he is helping me in this podcast and in life. But with all those thank yous being said, it is time for our Just Nice highlight. And that sound means it's time for the Just Nice highlight. Today's Just Nice highlight goes out to Mike Evans. You may know Mike Evans as three-time Pro Bowler, youngest player to ever have 7,000 receiving yards, and as a recent Super Bowl champion. But today, I want to highlight the incredible things he does off the field. Now, Evans has a slew of charitable work that I can choose from, but I wanted to highlight a couple things that I feel are unique. The first is his COVID relief efforts. Mike Evans' family foundation donated $100,000 to United Way Suncoast and to the Galveston community to assist relief efforts. But even more unique, and what I like even more, is Evans used his love for gaming to host a 12-hour gaming livestream on Twitch that raised $2.7 million for the World Health Organization. How awesome is that? The second thing I want to highlight uh, is his foundation. The commitment of him and his wife Ashley is to help empower youth through education and to help women who are victims of domestic violence. This year alone, they will award $65,000 in scholarships to students in need. Additionally, they do a what they call Catch for Christmas campaign in which they give holiday gifts and a $2,000 gift card to women and children with a specific focus to those who are victims of domestic violence. To Mike and Ashley, thank you for being great people. You are this month's Just Nice Highlight. All right, now we welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the podcast, nine-year NFL veteran, family man, and 2016 Walter Payton Man of the Year Award nominee for the Colts, Joe Wrights. Joe, thank you for being on the podcast here today. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure, and I'm uh, excited to uh, be a part of it, so appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thank you. All right, Joe, we're going to start with a segment called Just the Facts, just some quick hitters so we can get to know you a little better as listeners. And the first is, if you could go to the Olympic Games and compete at any event, winter or summer, which would you compete in? Curling, no question. Uh, I've curling. always liked watching curling. For somebody like me who's not that fast, uh, it seems like kind of a fun event to do where you don't have to be in great shape. And um, I would imagine those uh, guys that do curling probably go out for some cold beer afterwards. So that all kind of sounds right <laughs> up my alley. <laughs> that does sound. Can you can you skate? Are you good on ice? No, I would have to be. Uh, yeah, I, I'd like to be the guy that launches the puck or the disc, not the broom guy. But um, yeah, I, I love curling and Sometimes we'll set it up with our kids outside and try to do silly stuff like that, curling shuffleboard. So that's my my vote. I think that's a good pick. It's I think it's weirdly enamoring for how un 
like um, competitive it is head to head wise. It's really a great sport. But I think it embraces in all of us, like the cornhole, the shuffleboard, the yard games, you know, that everybody does, you know, all summer long. So I've always, uh, always had an affinity for curling. Love that answer. All right, Joe, you entered the Ravens organization at 250 pounds, which is way underweight for what you would eventually become an offensive lineman. So a little two-part question here. And the first is, to put on that muscle and weight, I always imagine players eating insane amounts of food. Is it more about eating more or eating different kinds of food? It both. Um, yeah, I gained about 60 pounds in six months, and there's only so much good weight you can put on. Uh, but really, you know, so the nutritionist would recommend foods that were high in calories, but not that high in fat. So like Fig mm. Newtons was one. I'd eat Fig Newtons every night. Actually, McDonald's milkshakes were one that were really high in calories, but it weren't crazy amount of fat. So would go there at like, 10 o'clock a lot and get milkshakes. So it was fun for a while because you could eat whatever you wanted. But when you were so full and you had to continue to eat, it's just a different form of dieting. You know, there was a time in my life when I had to set an alarm for 2 a.m., wake up, drink a protein shake, go back to bed. That wasn't super fun, but part of the job description and, uh, you know, had to do it. So uh, that's the long answer. The short is you got to do both. Jeez. Yeah, drinking that protein shake reminds me of if my blood sugar goes low late at night, I got to pound a juice box and go straight back to bed at 2 a.m. So I relate to that. Yeah, then you're, like, that. then you're up and you're like, oh, I can't fall back asleep and whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's that's interesting. So as an NFL lineman, though, it's important to get your gains after workouts, of course. So what is your favorite protein source? For a while, I did creatine and, you know, maybe recovery different types of things, but I'm a big chocolate milk guy. You know, the ratio in chocolate milk, you know, carbs to protein is right where you want to be. And so just having a nice uh, protein, there's a true move out there that we used to get with the Colts. It was a chocolate milk basically, but it was really, really good. So that's generally what I'll do post-workout is just drink some good chocolate milk and be good to go. You're, you're preaching to the choirs with chocolate milk here. That's, that's my favorite. All right, Joe, you're a man of faith and you're an active member in the Catholic community, including things we'll get into later. But if you could spend some time with any person in the Bible besides Christ, who would it be? Can I give you two? Yeah. Yeah. That's All right, okay. I'm going to go Old Testament, New Testament. How about that? Old Testament would be Moses for sure. Just all the parallels of, you know, the Egyptians and, you know, the Mosaic covenant and the Mosaic law and how much you know, really when Christ was talking to the apostles, he would reference back to Moses. So mm -hmm. um, then you'd ask him, you know, how'd you really part the Red Sea would be a good question too for him. So he would be my Old Testament. New Testament would be Peter, right? Peter was, you know, Jesus' right-hand man. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And just knowing what was going through Peter's mind, especially the last, you know, days um, through Holy Week, you know, we just got done of, of, of Jesus' life. Um, that he'd be a, a, another great conversation. So that's a great question, by the way, too, because obviously people are going to say Jesus, but you take him out, who would you really want to get to know? Those are my two I'm going with. I, I like those answers. I was, I was trying to predict your answer, and my answer would have been Peter as well. So that was good to see that we're on the same point there. Point David there. would be like, if I could pick a third for sure, you know, King David and start with mm -hmm. David and Goliath, and then, um, you know, just how much, you know, um, he is in the story of salvation history as well. So 
I'll throw him in there as my, my third, even though you didn't allow me. <laughs> I'd love to uh, witness David's psalm writing process, like how, how that went for him and how he wrote so many awesome psalms. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah. All right. Two more. Sorry. Two more here. No, you're Could good. you tell me about uh, maybe a coach or a teacher that made a big impact um, on your development? Yeah, great question. You know, there were there were so many. Um, I would say hard to pick out probably just one, but I think the the greatest lessons I learned um, came on the athletic field, not in the classroom. And I had a ton mm. of great teachers, right? And teachers that I'm very close with today, but there's something about sports. There's something about being in the arena, the competition, the lessons that you're going to get overcoming adversity. How do you handle winning? How do you handle losing? Um, and all those life lessons, I feel like I'm a combination of all of those today, right? Obviously my parents were my most important and biggest mentors. Um, but, you know, so many coaches, whether it was high school in Hamilton Southeastern, football or basketball, when I played college basketball, Western Michigan, you know, Steve Hawkins, Clayton Bates, Cornell Mann, my coaches there. Um, and then the NFL, right? You know, I was lucky to play for John Harbaugh, Jim Caldwell, Bruce Arians, Chuck Pagano, four great coaches, four all did it completely different ways. And I think the biggest thing that I learned from all these coaches is you have to be true to yourself at your core. And the good coaches are true to their self. They're true to their identity, their core values, who they want to be as a person first and then a coach. And so I've just kind of really stolen all these, you know, little bits of wisdom here and there and these life lessons along the way. I like that. Yeah. You just listed off some some Hall of Fame type coaches right there. I'm going to use this question to kind of bridge into your character and community work. But during your career, you were undrafted on practice squads, got cut five times. At any point, did you think about giving up your dream to play in the NFL and what kept you coming back and working harder? I think the honest answer is a lot because as we all know, when you're faced with things that are hard in life, right, really hard, doubt creeps in. And, you know, am I good enough? Can I keep doing this? This is hard. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. What keeps you going? And for me, it was two people. It was my relationship with Jesus Christ, number one. And it was my relationship with my wife, Jill, number two. You know, we were dating at the time and I was in Baltimore. She was in back at school at Western Michigan. We would talk every night on the phone. And when I was struggling with confidence or really down, she would build me back up. And between that and between, you know, prayer and time with God, we all get brought to our knees at different points in life. And when you do that, there's only one way to go, and that's to look up to the good Lord. And, you know, really, Jesus and my wife, Jill, were the two rocks in my life that allowed me to keep going. And when I look back now, you know, it was three years, four months, and 10 days from the time I signed as an undrafted free agent May 1st with Baltimore till I played my first real NFL game, September 11th, 2011. Three years, four months, 10 days. Never forget my first start, you know, it's the 10 year anniversary of September 11th and we're down in Houston and playing the Texans. And, you know, for that moment when the national anthem was going, I mean, just all these things started flooding back in my mind and, and looking back three and a half years is a long time. It's a long time to do something and not see the results, that instant gratification we all want in our world. But I realized that when you're going through tough stuff, sometimes 
you don't really see it and you don't really look in the rear view mirror. You just keep going another day, another day, another day. And you look back like, man, that was, that was pretty tough. But I look back and I realized no way would I have been able to make it on my own. I needed my wife and most importantly, I needed God. Wow. That's a, that's a really cool story about dedication. And I like that idea of you always brought to your knees at one point um, before God. That's, that's really beautiful. All right, Joe, we're going to transition here into a little bit more of your character, the organizations you're involved with. And it's great that you just mentioned your wife, because the first question I want to ask is kind of involved with um, that. You are a part of an organization called All Pro Dad and an advocate for it. You have five children. Can you tell me what being an All Pro Dad means to your kids and highlight what their All Pro Mom, Jill, is all about? For sure. The, the short answer would be, you know, All Pro Dad was an organization started by Tony Dungy and Clyde Christensen, um, who just wanted to use the platform God had given them football to teach men how to be great husbands and fathers. And the, the most important thing, in my opinion, on being a great husband and, and great father is loving God and loving the Lord, right? Because, you know, Jesus tells us, you know, to truly know love, we experience his love. And then only then can you really give that love to others and try to replicate that unconditional love. So, um, you know, I've been involved with All Pro Dad for about 10 years and love the organization. It's all about faith, family, and football. And a lot of people talk about faith, family, and football. And I've been very guilty of this throughout my life. When you're saying these are my priorities, but you're not living them out. You might be practicing 12 hours a day and watching film and spending three minutes a day in time prayer with Jesus. Is that good? No. Not at all, but I think we all struggle sometimes with the priorities, keeping them in the right way. But um, it, it's an awesome organization. You mentioned my wife, Jill, and then actually, you know, we have six children. Recently had a little boy, Peter. So congrats. Thank you. Juliana is um, almost 10. AJ's almost eight. Virginia just turned six. Johnny will be four next week. Hannah just turned two. And Peter is a couple months old. So Three girls, three boys, um, we're rolling along and, and we have been uh, very, very blessed, Jill and I have. That's awesome. That's got to be a bit of a crazy household with uh, six kids under 10 years old. That, that's an understatement, but uh, you know, I, I get to go to work and escape to work every day. You know, My wife stays home, so she's, uh, she's on the, the quick path to heaven, that's for sure, for uh, dealing with them and the high levels of patience she has. She'll spend a little less time in purgatory than you will. <laughs> Joe, between uh, marriage counseling, speaking at schools and events, you share your perspective on life quite frequently. How did you discover that your story can really make an impact? And can you give us a glimpse into the Bill of Rights? Yeah, great, great question. Um, you know, for me, I'm not saying anything different than most people out there, you know, and I'll go talk to kids or high school, you know, teenagers, and I'm not saying anything different than their parents are telling them or their friends, parents, or their aunt and uncle or their grandma. I just think the fact that I'm, you know, was blessed to play nine years in the NFL and I played with Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck and I played college basketball against Steph Curry. And when he was at Davidson, we beat him at Western mm -hmm. Michigan. Maybe that just gives you a little more staying power. So you know, the Bill of Rights is something I created, you know, 10 principles for life that are just, how can we, there, anybody can use them, whether you're a professional athlete, you know, whether you, you know, just work a nine to five job, whether you're in the business world, whether you're 16 years old, whether you're a stay-at-home mom with four kids and, you know, things like uh, 
fail forward, you know, things like build your foundation on rocks, not sand. And just, again, I shared all wisdom is stolen. And these are just things that I picked up and stolen from others along the way. I love that quote, by the way, all wisdom is stolen. Only foolishness is original. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I've been very lucky to have a lot of great teammates, great coaches, mentors, family, friends that have helped mold me into the, the man that I am today. That's really cool. I'm, I might have to write that quote down after this because I, I like that one too. Um, it's especially sometimes when uh, you're feeling pride, like, oh yeah, I got this bit of wisdom. And then you remind her that all wisdom really starts from God. So that's really beautiful. As I mentioned earlier, you were an active member in the Catholic community. Uh, you are involved with Exodus 90 and stay active in your local parish. Um, can you share uh, a story of an organization, uh, Exodus 90 maybe, that it, or a person that's really positively impacted your faith? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do the organization first and then the person if that's okay. But, you know, Exodus 90 is... Uh, in my opinion, it's the, the best thing I've ever done for my spirituality. And number two is not even close mm. because it's a 90 day challenge uh, built on three pillars, uh, brotherhood, asceticism, and spirituality. So, you know, what is asceticism? That's a big word. Um, really, it just means giving things up, right? So through the 90 days, you parallel the Egyptians exodus out of Egypt. So the Egyptian, or sorry, the Israelites um, exodus out of Egypt. You know, the Israelites were enslaved to the Egyptians. Well, we as modern men are enslaved to a lot of different things. Technology, screen time, alcohol, pornography, whatever, you know, the vices that we have that we think are so important to life that are, you know, kind of enslaving us. So, you know, these asceticisms are things like no alcohol, no eating between meals, no TV, no social media, cold showers, work out at least three times a week. It's some hardcore stuff. But all these things, you know, if I was going to watch a game for two hours, I'm like, I don't have time to pray, you know, for an hour every day. Well, guess what? If I'm not watching TV for two hours, I got a lot more time in my day. So you, you remove those things, you fill it with spirituality. And then the third pillar, brotherhood, is what keeps you accountable. And another quote I love is accountability is a friend of success. And so, Will, if you were my accountability partner, every night I'd have to text you, how was your day? What went well? What did you struggle with? And so if it's three o'clock, like it is right now, and I want to eat a donut, well, it's easy to be like, well, that's not a big deal. It's just one donut. But if I get to text you that night and own up to it, probably a greater chance I'm not going to do it. And so it helps guys get to places where they can't get on their own. And so those 90 days, every day you read a um, passage from Exodus, there's a nice reflection. You get together with your fraternity and meet. And that bond, that brotherly bond, I think is so, so important for men. As you know, former athlete Will, you know, that, that bond you have in the locker room is special and it's sacred. Yeah. Because you have a lot of common suffering together. You've done all these off-season workouts. You've done two-a-days in the heat. You're used to your coach yelling at you. And you guys band together as brothers. Same thing now, it's just in a spiritual way. And instead of trying to go out and figure out how we're going to win the Super Bowl or, you know, win the division and beat the Texans or beat the Patriots, we're coming together as brothers and trying to figure out how we can get each other to heaven. And that's the thing I think I've realized now um, as I've gotten a little bit older and um, a little bit wiser is that's all that matters. It really is. I mean, at the end of the day, everything that we're doing here on earth this time is, is temporary. It's, it's like that. 
and our time will be done. In the scripture, it says, you know, to God, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. And that's true. You know, I mean, our whole life on this earth is just a blip when you think about eternity. At the end of the day, all that matters is, am I going to heaven? Am I getting my wife to heaven? Am I helping get my children to heaven? And am, am I helping get friends and family to heaven? I think that's something that Exodus 90 has really, um, really helped me realize in a good way. Mm, that's that's really sweet. I you got me kind of fired up now. I kind of want to try this Exodus 90. Exodus good. 90. Let's let's go. I I will say there's a it, it's it's really hard, and I would have been like, this is not worth it. Why would I want to do it? I'll just you know, do it, you know, some other time or I'll do it next year. And then, you know, that, that scene from Rocky comes back to me where it's like, there is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. And there's really not because nothing's promised. Nothing is promised to us. Right. Yeah. Promised yeah. To, to wake up tomorrow morning and, and who knows when our time's going to come or when um, the kingdom's coming. Right. And stay awake. It's what it says. You know, it's going to come like a thief in the night. So I think I would encourage anybody that listens, go to excess90.com, learn more. It is a, it's a game changer in a big way. And um, it's something that actually a lot of younger people are doing. You know, the millennials, the age group that's doing this program is great. And I think it's so awesome. So highly encourage you and anybody else and your friends that are, are listening right now um, to, to look into it. It's a, it's a wonderful program. Yeah, I will make it easier on our listeners and link that in the podcast description below if uh, you guys want to check out Exodus 90 and you got fired up like I am about the way. Uh, uh, but, but, that's, but that's how it should be. You know, I think so often um, you get fired up for sports or for work or for school or what, but what, why aren't we getting fired up for Jesus? And, and you, you heard me probably say um, the good Lord's name a lot, but that, that's a big part of my life and who I want to be about at the end of the day. And you mentioned an impactful athlete. And for me, I'm going to take it a different direction. So I was lucky. I played with, you know, Andrew Luck for five years. I played with Peyton Manning for two. I played with Robert Mathis for seven. I played with Jeff Saturday and, you know, Reggie Wayne and T.Y. Hilton and all these, these great, great athletes. But um, two people that I looked up to, um, and it was because of their core values. It was because of their Catholic faith, because of the husbands they were, um, because of the fathers they were. The first one is Matt Burke. So Matt Burke played 15 years in the NFL, 12 with the Vikings, three with the Ravens, retired in 2012, won a Super Bowl. Um, him and his wife have eight children, um, two are adopted. I mean, he is a, he's a powerhouse in a big way. And he was the first guy I saw in the NFL that says, you know what? You can be a great man of God. You can be a great husband. You can be a great father. And you can also be a Pro Bowl player. They're not mutually exclusive. And so Matt, it has, it was, has a tremendous impact on my life. Um, and he, it was just really, really special how he would take time to sow into me as a young 22 year old when he had a, a wife and five kids and you know all this other stuff going on. So Matt Burke would be one. And the second one is a guy that if you're a diehard Colts fan, you'll know the name. If not, you probably won't, but John Chick. John Chick is, um, Played with the Colts for two years, played with the Jaguars for a couple, but most of his career was in the CFL. Defensive end, went to Utah State. Um, when I met him with the Colts, him and his wife had four children. Um, his wife was a convert to the Catholic faith, just like mine was. And we got to know them and they welcomed us into their home and 
Um, you know, we did a Bible study together and would sometimes just play board games like Settlers of Catan or Ticket to Ride and just hang out in fellowship. But they had four kids and my wife was pregnant with our first at the time. I think really showed us, hey, you know, they're uh, four kids is kind of a lot, but they make it happen and they work and uh, a really good man of faith. You know, Will, you'll appreciate this. He's a um, juvenile diabetic and he's done a lot, you know, with uh, JDRF, I think is the, the organization. And now he lives in Jacksonville, Florida with his nine children um, and he has a YouTube channel. Just the other day, they were all nine of them sitting there praying the rosary together. And I'm like, we can't get our five at that point to, to do it. He's got nine kids and doing it, but um, he's also yoked by the way. He has a business, uh, I think it's Iron Will Fitness. And he's, uh, he's, I mean, he's like 40 now, he's jacked out of his mind still. He could probably still go out and play and get a couple sacks. But those are two really good pillars for me that were kind of holistic representations of who I wanted to be. A really good player on the field, but more important, uh, a man of Christ, good husband, good father. Matt Burke and John Chick. Yes, I've given uh, done a lot of fundraisers for the JDRF, so that's cool to hear about another professional athlete who is diabetic and giving back to that community. And to get nine kids down praying the rosary, that is that is impressive as can be. Well, Joe, that's all the questions I have here for you today. I just want to thank you for being a man of faith, being a man who is not just the jersey, um, one that we can highlight and people can learn a lot from. So thank you for all the time that you spent here today. Thank you for getting through my technology difficulties, and I just really appreciate you being here. Sounds good. Well, Will, thanks for uh, for having me on for sure, and uh, look forward to chatting again down the road, and um, look forward to listening to more of these uh, podcasts and episodes as, as you keep getting uh, good guests. So, so many tidbits of wisdom that you can take away from this Joe Wright's podcast, but my goal is to take away just one. I really want to look into that Exodus 90, and I will link that uh, in the podcast description. But before we go, this is your reminder to like, subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends, especially if you think this is something that will entertain them and your reminder to be great today.